0: You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. A Q1 Network production.
1: Do you want me to stop it?
0: It's up to you. Either stop it or just record, whatever you want to do.
1: Well, maybe we should just go. Okay, go. Hi, I'm Deb. I'm Mike. And Mike is the host of Mike's Seminary and Friends, the podcast you're going to listen to.
0: And you're Deb, my wife. You do all the real hard stuff, the editing, uh, the scripts, Everything.
1: Almost everything. Yeah,
0: almost everything.
1: So who do you have on the show this week?
0: Melanie Carvel. She's a rock star.
1: Hey, I love Melanie. And you know what? I've interviewed her before also.
0: Long before I did. Yeah. And she's from Mott, where the, Mott, the the spot where the girls are hot. Yes. Yeah, that's Melanie. Yeah. I've been in races with her before. Cool. And she always, oh, yes, it's always passing. Boom, she's gone.
1: Welcome to Mike Seminary and Frank.
0: Gotcha. You know, every once in a while, <laughs> I have the opportunity to have a guest on that we could probably talk for hours because there's so many things that we have in common. She's a writer, a great author, wrote a, wrote a wonderful book. Oh, by the way, I should tell you this. On the cover, Life Fitness and Grit on the Northern Plains. And as we start talking today, and you'll hear this sometime after, there's a potential blizzard in the in the forecast where in the middle of April, we could have <laughs> 10 to 24 inches of snow, 50 mile an hour winds. As, as runners, we're gonna address that, what we normally would say about, oh, one of those kind of things. She's a pianist. she's she's an elite athlete, a wonderful, wonderful human being that's contributed so much to the community we both live in. And she continues to do that. And I'm so excited to have Melanie Carvell on Mike Seminary and Friends. Melanie, it's great to see you. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. How are you?
1: Oh, it's great to be here. I'm just smiling from ear to ear because, Um, it's just going to be fun to have a conversation with you. Like you said, we have so much in common and, and, um, you know, thank you for the the kind words, but um, you also have contributed so much to this community. And, and I think we're kind of both at that age where, you know, it's it's about what we can leave behind. Right. And um, what we can, you know, what we, what we can give to this community that's been so good to us. So I love that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you. So before we go into the book, and we could go so many different directions, as I prefaced and referenced in the beginning, we have this weather event coming up. <laughs> and as, as a person that's been in so many different weather conditions, whether you're running, swimming not so much, or cycling, but particularly running, when, when you see something like this in the forecast as a runner, what do you say to yourself?
1: Well, I always, I always was kind of like, bring it on. How hard can <laughs> it be? <laughs> you know, I always just love that feeling of when the, when the conditions are bad, it just makes for such a great story afterwards or a great feeling like you get home from something like that and you feel alive. Right? You feel oh, really absolutely. alive when it's been <laughs> way below zero or we did a we did a few of us are training for a big event in June and we we needed to get a three and a half hour ride in on Saturday. So we headed out on Old Ten west of Mandan, out to New Salem and back. And it was atrocious. Um, The wind was the headwind was bad enough, but the crosswinds were worse. And we thought we kind of planned it out like the best laid plan because the wind was supposed to switch (laughs) and kind of push us home. And it it was it was pretty atrocious. But there's a feeling that you get after completing those kinds of things. And, you know, you, you, you sit in a hot bath afterwards and you feel like, you know, it's good to be alive. It's good to challenge ourselves. It's good it to lean into what we're not good at, right? Absolutely. <laughs>
0: and folks that never have done that, of course, they think we're nuts. They think right. we're just right. certifiable.
1: Right. And
0: to a degree, maybe they're right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so it's always, oh gosh, I, I don't think I've ever really been out running five miles when it's 40 below, <laughs> snowing, wind chill is about 65 below, I'm let's see if I can do that without something falling off. I mean, that's just how you think. It's a new, it's a new goal.
1: (laughs) If there's a will, there's a way, you know, it just, you don't want to let what you can't do stop you from what you can do. And yeah. um, So this, uh, this great place we live in has its challenges, but it, it certainly makes us who we are.
0: Melanie, you, you, we've known each other for quite a while we have casual conversations and I asked you to come on the podcast. And then there was a delay because of situations in our family, which I was I considered a blessing because until then I had never seen your book. Believe <laughs> that or not. I had never seen your book <laughs> running with the animal and I read it and it's so well written. It's so much great information. You're a great storyteller. You went into great detail about growing up and your journey, if you will. So I'm glad we had a delay because I learned so much more about you and
1: your family. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, it, it came at a time when my parents were getting older um, my dad wasn't in very good physical health, but he, his mind was as sharp as a tack, you know, and my mom was kind of the opposite. She was getting along physically fairly well, but starting to really struggle with dementia. And, you know, when, when the thought came about trying to get some of life stories down on paper, I, um, I just felt like it was, it was the time to do it. And, and. And even if I didn't get the darn thing published, because I wasn't sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm a physical therapist, right? That's, that's my background. am I've never tackled professional writing projects other than articles or, um, but my thought was, even if the darn thing doesn't get published, at least I'll have captured some of those family stories and they'll be available for my kids and my grandkids and And so it was one of those um, projects that I I started with the encouragement of Clay Jenkinson. He's like, I would tell a story and he would say, you've got to write that down. You've got to go home and write that down. So I just started and I would encourage anybody listening who's thinking about writing a book. I just started by sitting down and, and writing down some of those stories that had a lesson to them or um, were an opportunity for growth or just uh, something interesting about this beautiful state that we live in. And so I, I was hoping that it could be, you know, a love song to North Dakota and growing up in a small town. I was hoping to get some of those family stories, Germans from Russia, Germans from Ukraine. My mom, my mom's side of the family was from Odessa. And my dad's side of the family was from Rheinplatz in Germany. So it was sort of a, a confluence of things that came together that I wanted to get down on paper. And and so um, to start by by writing some stories in no specific order and then seeing if you can kind of lace them together.
0: So you grew up in Mott. That's what um, I think you said to me Mott, where the girls are hot. Mott's that-
1: the spot where the girls are hot. Absolutely. There we go.
0: <laughs> Close family. Your your dad, uh, I think, owned a bar.
1: Right. Um
0: you you went to you went to school there. You challenged teachers there. You you were <laughs> grounded there for for challenging teachers. You're involved in music. And to kind of sum all that up, um, and that. Because the reason I do it that way is I want people to go read this book. There are wonderful life lessons in your book. Oh, thank you. Because, uh, you know, when you share from your heart about family and things and also goals that you have, those are really good life lessons for folks. And then, of course, when the forward is written by Clay Jenkins, you, you know, buy the book for that, too. Right?
1: Exactly, because he went on and on on quite a...
0: <laughs> he did. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Hey, oh, yeah, we're out walking and here's this person running around me telling me you know, this, this melody with the pep in her step. I mean, it was really... uh,
1: well, my my goal has always been to try to, to help other, you know, like you, we've gained. We know how much we've gained, um, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally from being active. And so, you know, sharing that. Trying, trying to help others experience that um, has always been uh, a mission of mine and I'm sure a mission of yours too. You inspiring us with your running streaks, regardless of the weather. Um, you know, so it's it's one of those things that once you experience it yourself, you just, you'd love to be able to pass it on um, and help other people get going for not so much to change their physical appearance or to lose weight, those kinds of things. But um, just for all the all the other benefits that happen mm-hmm. from tackling something, being vulnerable.
0: <laughs> and one of the things I wanted to go into just a little bit for folks that are totally unfamiliar with not just Mott, North Dakota, but that part of North Dakota. It 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 can be challenging in terms of weather and wind there's a tree maybe every 14 miles i mean it (laughs) it it can be very very challenging it can be incredibly challenging to the physical mental spirit of a person and so family and friends and faith i mean those three f things are really Mm -hmm. really a big deal right
1: you're right you're right you know and And as I've moved through life and um, have helped, you know, as a worksite wellness consultant, as a physical therapist, um, as a public speaker, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is, you know, I I give people a little quiz and I say, what do you think is the most important thing? Being physically active, eating well, managing your stress or being connected to others. And, you know, people kind of chew on it for a second, but most of the time they pick something other than connection when connection is the key, right? Um, If you are well-connected, meaning that you have good social support, you're likely to have 50%, twice as good heart health profile as somebody who lives in more social isolation. You know, and when it comes to working out, um, if you work out with even one other person, you're probably going to be twice as likely to show up. And to work out at an intensity that's 30, 40, 50% more than if you go it alone. And I think that's, you know, one of the big reasons why we've struggled so much the last couple of years with the pandemic, because it's really hit us in a social isolation sort of way. And, and we need each other. We need that community. Mm-hmm. It is the best way that we can be strong, body, mind, and spirit.
0: Melanie, you just said something I think about a lot. In terms of connection and the athletic endeavors in our life. Mm -hmm. I've lived in Bismarck since 1985. I started running at UND in 1975. When our hair length, when you were (laughs) running at UND and me were the exact same.
1: We're twinsies.
0: (laughs) And I've been involved in a number of sports throughout my life, but I really ramped up running when I moved to... Bismarck. Because right away, I was running with other folks. Before that, I was always training and running by myself. Right. And so after reading your book, I made a list of all the people that I have had the opportunity and pleasure of running with over time. And currently, at least two days a week because of schedules, I get the opportunity to run with one dear friend. Every other day, it's by myself. Soon, because we'll be moving, we'll, we're going to be transplanted from here. Right. I won't have my, my friend on Saturday, Sunday. And to your point, that connectivity, that connection, the ability to, not that you're always talking because sometimes when you're running hard, you don't want to talk too much. Right, but right. But you have the ability to connect and share and talk about things other than mm-hmm. politics and sports, really get to know one another. And that's right. a big deal
1: well those those conversations that we earn um, that we have, you know, it's like going to war with someone, right? Especially if the weather's bad or it's a particularly um, tough effort. And like you said, it, it's not always um, it's just being there together, getting through it together. And um, yeah, there you have different conversations when you're working out than when you're just casually. Um, I think getting together with someone too and 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 the the great thing about community is you know they're there for us to keep us start get us started and to keep us going and then if we fall off maybe if we you know um, didn't make it to a cycling class or didn't make it to a run or whatever that community also picks us back up right and says hey we miss you um, you know I don't know where you've been but come on back. And so mm-hmm. it's just a great way to, um, to stay healthy.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your, your journey and I'm sorry to maybe over-reference working out fitness and athletics in your background, but I can't separate that from
1: that's what, That's great. From, from <laughs> Melanie I know, right.
0: Because sometimes <laughs> I say to myself, and this might be even, maybe may I should just start with this question based on my knowledge of you since moving here in 85 and the elite athlete that you are, and then I recently retired as the director of Sanford's women's health. What, what do you think the connection is between your accomplishments in the world of fitness and being a competitive athlete, being that focused, and the wonderful career that you were afforded, if that's a mm-hmm. right way to say it,
1: yeah.
0: through Med Center and then Sanford. Is, is there a way to separate that or are they just you know, too connected? I,
1: I think they're pretty connected. I think they're pretty connected. Um, I ha- I've had some wonderful opportunities. And, you know, for me, um, I've never... I, I could never consider myself an elite athlete. I mean, I had very modest, um, very modest start in athletics. Of course, when, um, when I was in high school, we started girls basketball just my freshman year of high school. And we were terrible. Um, I don't know if you remember the passage in my book, but I talk about the fact that my dad came to one of our basketball games and he could never come back again because we were that bad. It was just too intolerable, too intolerable to uh, to watch. But, um, you know, I started off a, a very modest career. I, I went out for cross-country at UND, and I really had no business doing that because I never ran. We didn't have a cross-country um, program in high school. I'd been doing a lot of running on my own, nice, easy, slow running. And I saw a notice in the um, student union for uh, cross-country and I thought well heck I can run a little bit I think I'll give that a try and of course you know um, my first couple years it would it, I struggled to make the traveling team I struggled to um, yeah um, one of the very first cross-country meets that I ran I, I finished almost dead last and so um, you know i I, um, I struggle when people call me an elite athlete, because I always see myself as someone that, that, um you know, just had perseverance probably was the biggest thing that I had and just kind of fell in love with being active for all the benefits that it afforded me rather than doing it because I was good at it because believe me I I was not so good at it (laughs) not to start with anyway it probably wasn't I think I ran my 10k PR between my second and third child so I you know it took me uh, a lot of years I ran my first 10k in about an hour and I ran my PR you know 10 years later Fifteen years later, once I had kids, it actually probably benefited me because instead of lounging around taking things easy, I had much less time, and so hit it hard when I had the chance to hit it. But um, you know, but it, there are so many parallels. I mean, I was lucky to be picked um, by Med Center One to lead this women's health center. They saw me in the physical therapy department as somebody who ran on my noon hours and led the other staff in some Jane Fonda workouts, you know, back in like 1983. And so um, they saw me as somebody who was active and just said, hey, we, we want to capture more of the women's market to Bismarck Hospital, eventually Med Center One. And so we started this facility and it was, it was a great opportunity for me to combine physical therapy, along with helping other people become more active. And then in turn, keeping my activity level up high and and being an example. You can't have the keys to the place and not, you know, be fit, right? Right. right. <laughs> so so yes, I think it all kind of just meshed together.
0: What was your PR?
1: Oh my PR was a 3856 for the 10K, 38 minutes, 56 seconds. Um, and I don't know if Governor Schaefer remembers this, but he kind of helped pace me. Um, we started the race and I wanted to um, I wanted to break 40 and um, he said, oh, I can help you do that. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> in the day he was a real good runner.
1: Oh, yeah, that, you know that was um, yeah, that was quite a while ago. I was I was probably 28, 29 at the time, so we're talking almost 30. 30 years ago, maybe 32. <laughs> so my uh, my best of my times are behind me, but um, I still love being active, that's for sure. <laughs> where
0: where did the competitiveness that that I know and you, when, when did that start?
1: You know, for me, it was never about the races. You know, it was never about... Um, Wanting to win or pressure on to play. For me, it was always about getting ready for them. And I'm sure you can relate to that too, mm-hmm. right? For me, it was about the training. And to this day, it still is about the training. Like, even if I could never do a race, um, it, and of course, this last decade, I've had some challenges. I had a back surgery. Um, I broke my ankle in high school and, you know, that led to some problems later on now in life with my ankle. So I'm no, I'm not running anymore. I'm cycling and swimming and, and walking my dog and, but, um, all along, even when I was very competitive and had the chance to travel, um, with the national team all along, it it was more about, more about the training and the relationships that you develop along the way, um. Bismarck Mandan has such a strong cycling community and it's just grown by leaps and bounds. Like you said, it's such a strong running community too. And, and, um, you know, all those, all those workouts together with friends that we care about and develop relationships with that, that's the part that, um, you know, that's the part that really appealed to me. And then now, you know, being able to, um, be involved in things that are bigger than just myself right so Mm -hmm. you know things like the great american bike race uh, i directed that for a long time and that's coming up the end of april and you know those types of things training for something that's actually going to be a benefit to the community and to other people and um just helps us to grow along the way Mm -hmm. and then the race whatever happens you know (laughs) if the race happens, it's like, uh, yeah, if it, if it goes well, great. And yeah.
0: (laughs) There were times I didn't erase just because I wanted another (laughs) t-shirt and
1: I collected a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. You know, we all have different motivations and, and if, you know, the, the kind of medals that they're giving away is something that motivates a person, then, I think anything that we can garner um, in our toolkit to stay motivated, it, it's all good. <laughs> mm.
0: well, one of the things I've always been curious about, and you, you had appeared in your time, you absolutely positively were an elite athlete. You were very, very good. When you were at the height of your competing and you had a career, you had family, your husband (laughs) that's a professional and three kids. I'm always curious at when you're sitting at the, you know, the dinner table, how did the discussions go for how you balance all that as a family? Because it it was a big investment
1: for all of you. Yeah, it sure was. And, I'm, I'm so lucky to have a husband that has always been supportive, um, just in his quiet and strong way. He, um, he never was jealous. He always just really rallied behind me, no matter what kind of crazy idea came up. Um, and did I, did I balance things perfectly all the time? Absolutely not. You know, there were times where, and I think all of us lead lives like that. Where hopefully, uh, you know, if you if you measure it out um, in the long run, um, there was balance. But there were times where, you know, just like any of us in our jobs or whatever we're doing um, for self care, sometimes things get out of balance. But hopefully, you can um, you can pick up and and maybe make up for it, but. My kids um, were really supportive as well. And I think probably one of the things that helped a lot was um, the sport that I was competing in, primarily triathlon. It's not like I had to be gone for races for a long period of time. Uh, for a while I went on the route of cycling because that's where I was the strongest. And I got in, um, I qualified for the Olympic trials and the 40K time trial. And then placed well enough in that to be noticed by um, Henny Top from Denmark, who was the national um, cycling team coach at the time, road cycling team. And I spent a week at the Olympic Training Center and, you know, looking at trying to make uh, either the B team or the A team for the women's road cycling. And it was something that it was wonderful to be there. And it was wonderful to have that opportunity, but the time commitment was going to be ridiculous. And the cost was going to be, even just to throw my hat in the ring, it was a matter of doing, you know, six or seven national cup races. And and cycling is different because oftentimes there's stage races, you know, several days of racing in a row where one day you might do a criterium, the next day a time trial, the next day a road race, you know, and And I think I was 28 at the time. And um, yeah, it just, it was something that was a decision that I knew wasn't going to fit for me. It was just going to be too expensive and too much time. But triathlon, especially the distance, the Olympic distance, if you're going to be an Ironman triathlete, that's different. You're out there for hours and hours and hours. But I specialized in primarily the Olympic distance. I did some half Ironman too, but so found a way to make it. Um, to make it work, you know, and and a lot of times it was early mornings before everybody was up and at him or on my lunch break. Um, or when my kids were little, it was when they were in bed that I would go downstairs and hop on the indoor cycle or whatever and try try to make it all work. Um, mm-hmm. But but you're right. It's a it's a juggle. And there's some things that you say yes to and some things that that you can't. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, out of curiosity, you said you were 28 at the time. What was the average age of the person that <laughs> was in attendance? Just out of curiosity.
1: Well, it was so funny because I walked into my dorm room at the Olympic Training Center, and my roommate was already there. And there was a teen magazine lying on her bed. <laughs> So my roommate was the, was a pursuit national champion, a junior pursuit national champion. So she was about 17. I was the, at 28, I was the oldest one at this invitational camp. Yeah. There was 17 of us and, um, and I got the reputation of the caretaker of everybody that was there. And um, so they were all coming to my room for gloves or hats or a massage or advice or, you know, because they were all quite a bit younger than I was. So,
0: Before we move on from the competitive nature of racing, whether it's running, cycling, swimming, swimming. Uh, Triathlons, marathons, all of that. To to my knowledge, the the crew that you traditionally have been part of, the, since I've been here, they're all really good too. I mean, the, the whole group, and it's and sometimes it's a fairly good sized group. They're all really they're killers.
1: their killers is right. Their killers is right. And it's so funny because, um, you know, several of the people that I trained with, I kind of talked into, you know, I remember, I remember Marnie, um, especially, right. You know, I remember she was watching us run a 800 meter workout at the Capitol when she was working for the state at the time. And she was so shy and, you know, um, I'm like, well, come and run with us, right? And then come and cycle with us and then come and swim with us. And um, I remember that maybe she had been riding for two or three years. And I looked at one of my other riding partners and I'm like, ooh, (laughs) she's going to be really good. Um, And Julie Bosch and I were having this conversation. And I know you know Julie so well. She's such a gem. Um, You know, the only time I ever won the Bismarck Half Marathon was when Julie and I were in the lead. We were both pregnant. I was about three months pregnant with Elliot, my youngest. And she was about five months pregnant with her youngest. And she had to stop and use a restroom. And she told me, you go, you go, don't wait, don't wait. And so (laughs) I made my move while Julie was in the restroom, you know. But um, (laughs) we had such an interesting conversation, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, being the best at something for a while even if it's just in your own community and then ultimately obviously that's going to change and and she shared such a sweet story you know it's it's in the music world so apparently Shania Twain held some kind of record for most albums or whatever it was and she was surpassed by another country star this year I can't remember I don't know who it if it was Carrie Underwood or who it was and, of course, they they contacted her and said, you know, how do you feel about somebody, you know, taking away your record? And um, Shania Twain said, well, the baton was meant to be passed. Mm. And I'm really happy for her. And I thought, what a beautiful... What you know, what a beautiful thing. And so um, not that I, I had never been a, like a Shania Twain fan, but I am now. I just thought that was such a classy <laughs> way. Right. And so both Julie and I, um, you know, I've had to had to pass the baton. But I always think, well, I must have been a good teacher. Somebody then, you know, but but you are so right. Bismarck is just a cycling hotbed, yeah. um, not just road cycling not um but gosh the gravel riding around here i've actually just fallen in love with gravel riding and at first it was really scary to me because we did everything to avoid any gravel right riding on the road um but i've i've fallen in love with it and there's no traffic out there and you just feel so close to the earth and um yeah and so there's a ton of uh, gravel riding there's a ton of mountain biking Um, And I think a lot of it is our local shops that really invest in growing the sport and leading rides from the shop 701. Um, I know we've got another local smaller shop, Larson Cyclery, as well. And it's alive and well in this town and something to really be proud of.
0: Before I ask you the next question, I'm going to make just a a statement for folks that might be moving – to another geographical location if you're if you're not part of a y community or when melanie was the director of sanford women's health center which was a a gathering place for people that want to participate in healthy activities you should you should find those places because there's just a great opportunity to connect i'm convinced that well, I'm a pretty outgoing guy, and I moved here to manage radio stations, and I met people because I was part of the chamber and all that, where I really had some significant relationships and bonds that stand to this day. It was through the Y. If, you know, because if it wasn't Gary Walker or Dan Sharp or Al Lick or Jim Hill, mm-hmm. all those guys, and then watching C- Kathy Claremont, right? Watching Kathy Claremont. Becky. Becky, Becky excuse Becky, me. Becky. Becky run and Julie always at a distance and so far behind them the I know, boss, me too that, that's just a great place to connect
1: oh, with people is. that have
0: similar interests
1: right right and it's just um, the Y is such a gift to the community I'm at you know I, I work for the Y now as an instructor at family wellness and um, I saw that at the main location too. I'm subbing today at four 30, um, cycle class, but you're so right. You know, it, it's, um, the Y is such a great investment in the community to gather people together to support each other. And, uh, my husband and I took our granddaughter swimming yesterday in the splash pool and I've, I've had him there several times, but his, it was his first time there. And he's like, this is amazing. You know, just to see Sunday morning families with their kids and, and um, just a, we're really lucky. We're really wow. lucky, and the the mission of the the mission of the Y is one of community, and and it's it's a great place.
0: It is. Do you spend a lot of your your time now? And then we're going to switch gears to race across America, in coaching and mentoring uh, people. Whether it has to do with training for athletic events or otherwise, do you spend a fair amount of time doing that?
1: Oh, it's I, I feel like it's um, that that's my passion. Right. That's my mission, you know, and and part of it comes from my background as a physical therapist. And then, like I mentioned earlier, part of it comes from wanting other people to um, reap all the benefits that all the opportunities, all the fun. Um, that I've been lucky enough to experience. And and I think so many times it just takes someone to believe in you and to be interested in you. And um, I have a lot of opportunities to be able to mentor. In, in my cycling classes, for instance, I, I always love to, you know, see how strong people um, get from those classes and how connected they can become with other riders. And then to talk them into... Um, taking the next step, you know, do you ride outside? Do you want to use my old gravel bike and give it a try? You know, um, just really, really trying to reach out to beginners. So I've had the opportunity with triathlon to, um, you know, we have, we have, um, Brian Jackson from Mighty Mo who has taken over the Bismarck triathlon. And it's really been great to be a part of that and do a triathlon workshop. Triathlon one hundred and one, and we do it a couple weeks before the race. And so, people who are considering trying their first triathlon can come, and um, myself plus some of the other experienced triathletes take them through like a mini swim, bike, and run, so they can get the feel of the race. We can give them tips. Um, this past summer, you know, I'm I'm not racing anymore, but I had so darn much fun seeing so many of those people who came to my workshop then turn around and do their very first triathlon. And I was out there and cheering them on and it was such a blast to see that they felt like because they had come to that workshop and tried it, they got in the open water, they figured out how it all worked, they came in and did that. So it's it's what, I think it's really what keeps me going. I'm pulling people from my cycling classes and saying, hey, you know, um, have you you are so strong. Have you considered taking this out on the open road? Because we'd love to ride with you. We'd love to take you under our wing. And so, um, you know, same thing with cross country skiing for 25 years. I put together, um, you know, cross country ski um workshops and then also taking a crew of women to maple log which is north of detroit lakes about 15 20 miles and um you know just trying to help other people experience the beauty and the joy and the connection of being active
0: one of the best places on the planet to cross country ski
1: Oh, isn't it? It's a religious experience out there, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a and, and the the people who own Maple Log have just been dear friends of mine for so long, and yeah, they got like 123 inches of snow out there. <laughs> I think they're they're still skiing, you know.
0: <laughs> well, you just said I'm not competing any, no racing anymore. So. In a way, that's a perfect segue to talk about race across America. <laughs> so tell us what race across America is and yeah. and, then, uh, and then Gaia Holmes
1: Sure, sure, sure. Um, well I'm uh, you know I'm not racing running and I'm not doing triathlons because running of course is part of it but um, but the last couple of years I've been getting my competitive stuff out of um, gravel racing so I've I've had a lot of fun doing that and I I plan to do some gravel racing too this year the Burley Cup is coming up Mother's Day weekend and there's the Sippy Cup which is the shorter race and then the Burley Cup which is uh, 70 some (laughs) miles but about, (laughs) about a year ago the Sippy Cup is pretty hard too for a Sippy Cup it's I think it's like 30 miles but um, about a year ago, Kylie Harmon, um, who feels like a daughter to me, she's one of the people that I talked into to uh, doing triathlon. A decade or so, um, Kylie Harmon came to a cycle class, and she had been watching some videos of Race Across America. There's some documentaries on Netflix, and she came to class, and she's like, "Oh my God, you guys! You know, she's a front row girl. She's in the front row, and she's like." we should do RAM, we could totally do it, you know, in her hyper enthusiastic way that only Kylie can deliver. She's like, and we could do really well. And we all looked at her and just like, you know, shook our heads like she was completely nuts off her rocker. But then bit by bit, um, (laughs) she talked us into this dream, this journey, this adventure, and four of us from Bismarck, um, and then we have one alternate that's out in in Oregon. Um, so Karen Gartner, who is kind of a transplant to Bismarck um, from the, the West Coast. She grew up on the ocean out in Seattle. Karen Gartner, Lori Klabundi myself and Kylie are um, doing Race Across America, which starts in Oceanside, California on the 18th of June. Of course, they pick that time of the year because we ride through the day and night until 3,089 miles later, we hope to arrive in Annapolis, Maryland. So it's, um, you know, probably the hardest endurance event in the world. Um, and we're feeling pretty grateful and lucky to, uh, to be a part of it and also terrified probably two would be one of the adjectives (laughs) along with grateful and excited and tired, uh, terrified might be, might be one.
0: (laughs) What, what, what is the staging and planning for that kind of an endurance event like that? Right. It has to be awfully comprehensive.
1: Yeah, it's, it is awfully comprehensive and we're so lucky. We have this amazing crew. Um, Karen's husband, Mike is our crew chief, Mike Gardner. And he actually last summer went out and crewed for um, a a group of women that were doing Race Across the West. And so he uh, volunteered to be a crew member to learn more about it. And he's the brains behind the operation for us and has given so much of his time. Um, We have a crew of 10, 12 people that are going on this journey with us. Two minivans that can leapfrog. Us as we take turns riding um, and an RV. So, the way that we'll do it is um, our coach is from Littleton, Colorado. Her name is Julie Lyons, and she's incredible. And we are so lucky and grateful that um, we applied to be her team, her RAM team. She's done RAM herself. Um, a couple times, and is a very accomplished writer herself. And now she um, has a nonprofit called Love Sweat and Gears. That's a platform, um, a nonprofit platform that uses cycling and cycling events as a way to raise funds for causes that are important to us. So she accepted us. Um, she's been coaching us individually and as a team, and. Um, also helping us raise awareness and raise funds for Gaia Home.
0: So talk a little bit about Gaia Homes. That you know I know a person in town that's been very involved. So tell tell me about Gaia Homes and why it's so important to you and the group.
1: Right, right. So um, Kylie, one of our writers, is the executive director of Gaia Home and this started a couple years ago with um, Seed money from the Rockstead Foundation who wanted to invest in, um, in this project. So there's been a lot of groundwork in um, getting legislative approval and creating um, committees and boards and bylaws and tons of work on that end of it. And, um, you know, when we decided to do RAM and Kylie was part of our team, we thought, what a wonderful way to uh, make this be something that really invests in our community as well. Right now, North Dakota does not have this model um, of hospice care available where someone and their family can um, have an experience in a true home-like setting rather than, um, you know, being in a hospital or... uh, And and I know from personal experience, uh, I would love to be a part of this Uh, I'm dedicated to being a part of this project because I would love for people to have a better experience with this, um, end of life journey than I had. My mom passed away. I've lost both my parents, but, um, my mom passed away after a short illness that was very difficult. And we had to make stressful, um, decisions and the hospice situation was, um, It was a really in fact it 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 was such a difficult time those last couple weeks that um, it it took me a long time to to kind of get past that right and so to be a part of this project that would afford families more peace and more dignity and more comfort and a private place to gather um, with this end-of-life journey i think would be such a great investment in our
0: community Mm. i i agree melanie um Lost my father very very suddenly. Had quad bypass day later. Um, Lost him when um, he had a blood clot from practical.
1: Right, right.
0: And then mom was in the care of others, and they did a really nice job. For the better part of four years, and the last year was very, very difficult. Particularly the last three, or four months, and the last couple of weeks were hell.
1: Right. Um, that's that's the only way to explain it. Sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it, it,
0: it's hell. It's heartbreaking. And it is, irrespective of the spirit or the f- beliefs we have or the faith that we have, it's hell. And if there's a way for something to help us move those, down those waters a little bit more smoothly, like a guy Holmes, that's a mm-hmm. blessing. That's just an absolute blessing. So I'm excited that you're doing that. I'm somewhat aware of what Terry has been doing. And so we want to bring a... T- so, by the way, other than when we put this on MikeSeminary.com and people can get all this information, where can people... F- either follow you what website should they go to what are the best ways to learn more about you your book the race all of that
1: (laughs) well um mine i'm easy i'm just melanie so um if anyone wants to reach me um send me an email find anything out uh, there's anything that i can can help um, help with you can reach out to me there so if people are are interested in our journey our race across america um, they can or they're interested in donating to the cause for a gaia home um, to be built here in bismarck they can go to lovesweatandgears.net and they will have an opportunity to to donate there, or to reach out to any of us, uh, any of us locally, and and we can help uh, move you in the in the right direction. We're so grateful for our community. You know, 701 Cycle stepped up to be our total our title sponsor, and Bismarck Heating and Air um, is is right behind them with a with a big sponsorship as well. And um, you know they're making this possible. To um, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, there, there's so much involved with this. Are we even gonna make 10 cents for Gaia Home by the time we get this all figured out? And it's just been uh, a wonderful outpouring of support, both for us as a team, and then um, as an opportunity. Like like Kylie said, you know, we're Gaia Home is brand new, people um, people don't know about it, and one of the biggest things that, that we hope to do as a team is just really raise awareness about it as we're moving into that capital campaign where we really uh, can work on raising the big dollars to, to get the get the place built.
0: Mm. <laughs> so. By the way, it's Love, Sweat, and Gears, just so you know, gear, gears again like to bicycle.net.
1: Yes, lovesweatandgears.net. <laughs> so.
0: and, and just to give a little bit more information about the home, So it's the first dedicated home of its kind in the state where there are qualified medical care individuals that are specializing in that end-of-life journey.
1: Right, right. And we're starting with an initial phase, um, starting out a little bit smaller, but then there's plans to build on that as well. And, and, um, you know... your your loved one your family it's it's not just a room in a home it's a, a residential enclave of of um, townhomes or condos which you know kind of a, a setup that's all connected to a main hub and so families would have a place to gather that you know that the patient is in a home like setting and the families also have a, a place to gather with privacy with peace with dignity and um, just to be able to uh, to be more comfortable
0: mm. as well. I just love the idea. Yeah,
1: yep. Go sure. <laughs> I'm going to go back to your book for a second. What's that?
0: I'm going to go back to your book for a second. Two things. Uh, first of all, I love how you address being in the zone. <sighs> and for people that aren't as addicted maybe as some of us to (laughs) physical activity, particularly running or cycling, where it puts you in the zone, it is an experience like none other. And it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't doesn't happen all the time. But when it happens, it is really almost like an out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. where you're saying, boy, this this." this run that started out awful or this cycling event started out awful has turned into something pretty special. And right. It always makes the investment of the time so worthwhile.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and we know from a scientific standpoint, it's like that neurochemical bubble bath of all those great um, neurohormones, right? With the, whether it's the... Endocannabinoids, or um, you know, the serotonin, or all those all those beautiful endorphins that kind of flood our brain. And you know, like you said, it it isn't always all roses, right? Um, sometimes it's that getting over that activation energy to get started. That's the hardest part. I would always counsel my clients and say, you know, try the five minute rule. Right. Even if you absolutely positively don't feel like doing something, give it five minutes and you are going to be more likely to continue than, you know, than you would ever expect. Um, You know, and sometimes there's times where maybe you do try it for five minutes and it's not your day and that's okay too. But but so often I think we feel like, well, we're going to. We're going to wait till we feel a little better. We're going to wait till we feel a little stronger. We're going to wait till we get a little more motivated before we do something when in fact it's the opposite, right? It's like do something no matter how small, no matter what it is and motivation follows. It doesn't start, right? So if you're waiting around till you feel a little better to do something, um, do something. And then that gives you a crack, gives you a chance at actually feeling better. So, and I think, especially with the pandemic, these last couple years, there's been a real, you know, it's been really hard. And about the time we feel like the pandemic is getting a little bit better. Now we have the war in Ukraine to worry about. And it just, it feels like there's so much, it's so heavy. There's so much that's dragging us down. So um, you know, just realizing that you're worth the investment. And sometimes when we're in a funk, there's absolutely no way you can think yourself out of that. Right. You can be in a funk and you can you can try to, you know, think your way out of it. And you're probably not going to move forward. But if you move, your brain will follow. Mm. Right. And research just shows that to that. When we get out and move, uh, everyone reaps the benefits, of course, because it actually wires us. Those workouts wire us to come back and be better at connecting with others and be better to others. And that's why sometimes our family will say, hey, isn't it time for you to go for a run? (laughs) Because it turns out that people like us a lot better when we're not crazy, when we're not crabby, when we're not... So not only do we get the benefits of that, that neurochemical bubble bath of good stuff, but we come back and we're primed to just be better humans and better at connecting um, with those that those we love as well. Mm. Right. So, yeah, those those Zen experiences are are just the best (laughs) when they happen.
0: And by the way, for me, I get up and I probably talked about this too many times during my podcast, but it's my podcast. The, for me, <laughs> I get up real early, spend devotional time, do some reading of newspapers, and then get ready to go out. And depending on the time of year, that can take two or three minutes. If it's a middle of winter, it takes 5, 10, 15. <laughs> but when I'm out again, that's some of the most precious devotional time I have. Oh, when I'm absolutely. out running, I'm out there by myself. doesn't matter the time of year, it's... Pr- it's more unique likely for me more often than not in the dead of winter for whatever reason Uh, and there's just nothing that can replace that time for me in terms of devotion so it's uh... so let me ask you this question big magic wand kind of question (laughs) and this is this deals I'm gonna ask you two different types of questions the first one is going to be for race across America if you could wave a magic wand over the heads of anyone who has a loved one that is approaching that time. And you they know there are going to be significant challenges with the end-of-life journey for that person. What's the one thing you want them to know about what you're about to do with Race Across America and what you're raising money for.
1: Right. Um, You know, probably the biggest thing is that they're not alone. And uh, the thing that I love about this project is that I feel like um, this community has been so good to me and good to my family, Um, our kids and our grandkids, and afforded so many opportunities that I love the fact that it's something that's going to invest in our community and that if there's any way that um, somebody who's facing what you talked about is facing with their family, I hope that they can take some comfort in knowing that even though it can be very scary and very hard. And like you said yourself, um, it can just be a, a really terrifying experience. And And every family is different, right? Um, I think everyone's wish is that they are able to go through that journey at their in their own home, but sometimes that's simply that's simply not possible, right? Sometimes there's not family available or family that can um, somehow figure out how to take care of their loved one at home, and and so what I, I what I hope they see from this journey of ours with Ram, and what I hope that they feel from it is that someone cares. Someone wants to. Um, a lot of someone's, uh, you know, uh, that that they feel supported. That um, the group of us really want to um, to make that passage for them better than what maybe we have gone through personally. Um, and you know that there there's support out there. This stuff is it's hard to talk about, right? And it's hard to face. So, so just knowing, um, hopefully, that they can receive some comfort and knowing that we're trying to raise awareness and that hopefully, you know, us tackling this super hard journey um, can can inspire them as well to be able to tackle a difficult journey.
0: Mm. I'm so appreciative that you're doing it and that um, Terry has been leading the way locally to. Push out that discussion about the importance and what that means mm-hmm. to uh, loved ones, and if you if you haven't experienced that, um, and, until you do or know someone that personally has done that, it it can be like a wrecking ball in your life, where right. you see someone you love so much go through this incredible change and in degradation of of life, and I always say to myself, gosh, if, if God could have a do-over, and he could, because he, he can do anything, right? Is that one of those <laughs> things he might change? I, I've, I said that to myself as we went through it with my mother. So, Mallory, appreciate you so much. I'm excited for oh. you and the team and the race. We'll get information out. Thank you so much for what you've done in our community.
1: Wow, oh, you too! Right back at you there.
0: <laughs> no, thank you. Yes, I would say you know we'll we'll run again, but we won't because you quit running, and I don't ride bike enough to stay anywhere close to you.
1: And, and I don't swim
0: very much, so we'll,
1: well find a way. Well, if you ever want to go for a walk, you know, if you ever want to go for a walk, let there me know. There we go. <laughs> we, we could do we that. We can solve the problems of the world walking as well, right? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We can do that together.
1: Thanks so much for joining
0: me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been wonderful to be
0: here with you. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you.